Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the flagship show on member-supported Restoration Radio. I am your host, Charles, and today we are joined by Colleen Eldracker of the YAG in Cincinnati, Ohio. So, Colleen, welcome. So, in this episode, I'm just here to ask you today about the YAG and all things YAG-related. So, let's imagine I'm someone that has no idea what the YAG is. Um, could you sort of introduce yourself and sort of tell us a bit about what the YAG is? Sure. Uh, my name is Colleen Eldracker. So if any of you have heard Father Eldracker on True Restoration, I'm his sister. And I run the YAG for St. Gertrude the Great Church in Cincinnati. Uh, YAG is an acronym, actually. It stands for Young Adult Get-Together. And they were originally started in the 1980s, actually. Uh, they started having them and young people came all over the country and it was pretty much the same format that we do today. Like it would start on Saturday night with mass and dinner and then Saturday they would have mass in the morning. They'd go do different activities. They'd have a square dance and then they'd close out the weekend with mass on Sunday and maybe a few other things on Saturday afternoon. Mm-hmm. Nice. So was there an, uh, a lull period where it, there wasn't any yag? To an extent, yes. So my parents actually met at the YAG. That's kind of how I got involved. So they started going, it was, I think it was in the early to mid 80s when they started having them. And then when thing, it was getting to the later 80s, it kind of fizzled out. It was partly affected by the split with the SSPV that kind of divided the camps a bit in Cincinnati. And then Part of it, too, was just that I think they had married off a lot of the young people that they had um, because the traditional movement, even to this day, has a lot of age gaps. There'll be like 10 year periods where there really aren't that many people. Um, so. Uh, so they it kind of fizzled out for a while. I just heard recently, actually, that they tried to kind of reboot it a little bit in the early 2000s, which was news to me. I hadn't heard about that at all. And then but it really didn't do a whole lot. And then. My mom and a couple of the ladies from Cincinnati were always like, oh, we got to get the eyes going again. We got to get the eyes going again because they had all gone. And they, my parents and these ladies and a lot of people we know, they met at the egg. Like, like my parents are friends with a lot of people. And then I'm friends with those people's kids because my, my parents met them all at the egg and, you know, they went to their weddings. I mean, I remember going to YAG weddings as a kid in the 1990s. We would go down to Cincinnati for I mean, we went several times for different weddings. So was that like the fact that your parents went and uh, met there and got married? Um, <laughs> so it's, it's amazing. Like, and now you're you run it essentially, mm-hmm. and you know that that's lovely. And um, so, what was it? Um, how did that come about? Uh, you taking the reins for off for the egg. Well, pretty much, excuse me. I mean, my parents had been talking about it, you know, my mom and other ladies, pretty much since I was a teenager. Like, I mean, growing up, I kind of just always assumed that someday the Yags would be resurrected and that I would go to them. I would meet someone like my parents did. I would get married and, you know, easy peasy. So, and they kind of, you know, they kept talking about it more and more as me and my siblings and my friends, you know, we kind of got into our late teens, early 20s. and 
the problem was they could never find anybody to run it. They were like, oh, well, maybe so-and-so can run it, but oh, she's married and she has a bunch of little kids or whatever. So eventually it got to the point where um, I was a little bit older than a lot of the other kids because I'm part of the kind of the first wave of YAG babies from the original YAGs. So there are a lot of people below me, but not a lot of people above me um, in that age bracket. And so anyway, I was a little older than some of the other ones. And at the time I was in my mid twenties and I was working as an adjunct instructor at a local college. I was teaching remedial math and I had no problem bossing around 25 adults at a time. So I was kind of, finally, it was just like, well, somebody has got to do it. So I'll do it. So the first year we did it, I didn't even live in Cincinnati. So that was a little bit interesting. So I was doing a lot of research online and then some of my friends in Cincinnati were helping kind of doing some scouting work on the ground for me. And then I came down, we had the YAG. I mean, it was a little rough the first year. I mean, the first time you do something like that, it always is, but still, you know, it was a good start. And then I ended up taking a job at the school in Cincinnati <laughs> pretty much that same weekend, uh, which had kind of been part of the plan. And then I ended up moving to Cincinnati that summer and then I lived there ever since so oh what what do you mean by rough well i mean the first time you have an event like that it's a little bit awkward because like nobody knows anybody like i mean the people those of us from st gertrude's knew each other sort of but like the people from out of town really didn't know anybody like everybody was just kind of and a little bit shy and i mean we still had a good time but like People didn't really loosen up until like Saturday after, sorry, not Saturday, Sunday afternoon after that bowling. And then finally it was like they were starting to talk and like really kind of loosen up and relax and be like, oh, the weekend's almost over. Finally, we're going to like relax and talk to people. So mm. it was, I mean, and there were some things, you know, just logistically that I learned doing it like, oh, well, you know, we need more of this, not so much of that. And it was a little bit of a, it was definitely an interesting experiment, but well, the second year went better. And then every year, five cents, it's, yeah. We what tweak. did you need? What did you need more of? Well, I don't remember at this point. Probably something <laughs> food or paper products related. All oh, right, that kind of stuff. I don't think we um, ran out of food, but it was pro- probably some supply somewhere it was short or too much. Uh, so how typically? How long does is the yag? How long did it last? Because you said Saturday and Sunday, but is it is it around? It's three, three days. days. It's three days, mm-hmm. but they're not. Days. So it, it starts at Friday on Friday night at five o'clock. So basically, we usually tell people shoot together Friday night at five o'clock. They have confessions and rosary from like five fifteen to five forty five. Masses at five forty five. We usually start dinner around seven. Dinner runs till probably closer to nine. Then I start shooing people out, <laughs> and mm-hmm. we go to Higher Ground Retreat Center, which is just over the border in Indiana. It's about 40 minutes away. And they have a really nice facility there. Uh, we discovered it through some of our parishioners a couple of years ago, and it, it just makes it so much easier because everyone's going to and from the same place for lodging. They have this big, beautiful dorm. It's practically brand new. It's divided into two completely separate wings, one for the men, one for the women, You know, separate bathrooms, separate rooms, you know, everything. And it's just as nice, it's clean, it's well-maintained. And then, uh, on and so then, and they also have a real nice bonfire pit. They have soccer fields. They have volleyball pit. You know, so they have a lot of stuff built in at their campus. So that's really nice. 
so then on sun on Saturday morning, we come back to St. Gertrude's for mass. Basically, every day starts with mass and St. Um, and so then we have mass. We have kind of a heavy breakfast. And then we head back to higher ground. They provide lunch and dinner on Saturday. So that's nice. It's a little less food prep for me. And then, I mean, some people by that time, though, they're like, I just ate a huge breakfast. I don't need lunch. Yeah, so lunch is a little more optional. Uh, but then people just play or talk or visit. I mean, usually the guys put together a soccer game. A lot of people play volleyball. This year, some people brought badminton. So they were had the little brackets and they were going back and forth. Uh, they have a Gaga ball pit, which I don't know if it's unique to Cincinnati or what. Like, I'd never seen one before I got here. But it's basically oh, like this. Yeah. It's kind of like a thigh-high wooden pen. It's maybe 12 or 15 feet in diameter. And basically you use like a soccer ball or a kickball. And you basically bat it around with your hands trying to hit the other people in. It's almost like dodgeball. But you're not supposed to touch the ball with your feet. <laughs> Oh, it sounds it sounds like good silly fun. Uh, yes, it's, it's very good silly yeah. fun, but it's it can be hard on your back. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Um, what what's the typical age group um, for the yak? Um, you know, is there say, an age limit? Is there an age? Um, uh, yes, there there is an age limit. That was something we kind of went back and forth on, um, but we've kind of solidified it now. So. Basically, the age range is 18 to 39. We do let 17-year-olds come, but their parents have to sign off on it. They have to give us written permission. Mm. So Some 17-year-olds come and they have a great time, and other ones are kind of like, maybe I should have waited a year. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> Most I mean, of them have the a good time. Thing, yeah. Like the, the other thing as well is the, uh, I mean, the elephant in the room is there's a lot of romantic pressure, right? If people are there and they... That's what everyone to... says, and they're kind of, I think they're overthinking it, honestly. Yeah? Yeah. So. It's um, basically what you make of it. If you go there intending to meet people, then yeah, you have a lot of romantic opportunities. If you just want to go and be friends with people, and you can actually manage to communicate that effectively, <laughs> then you can also make a lot of friends and have fun. But if you're not a good communicator, and someone who is romantically looking for someone you know, it's kind of following you around, like, you have to be able to tell them, like, you know, it's nice getting to know you, but, you know, I'm really just looking for friends at this point, and I would really like to talk to some other people. <laughs> yeah. Do, do you find that that can be a difficult conversation to have sometimes for people that attend the YAG? Um, for some people it is. Uh, generally more for the girls, I think, than for the guys. Um, but, I mean, I have no problem. I mean, if there's a girl and somebody's, you know, following her around and his attentions are unwelcome and like and like and that's what i was stressed like someone's attentions may be unwelcome but i mean these are all really good guys so if they are being a little awkward it's just because they don't have any social experience that's kind of the point of us to give people that social experience in a safe environment so it's like so if someone's not taking the hint i mean girls can always come to me and if they don't aren't able to pull the guy aside, i mean i have no problem pulling a guy aside and being like very just you know gently like no, oh, hey, I know you don't mean it this way, but you know you're freaking this girl out. Back off! Mm -hmm. And I've done it multiple times, and they usually take it well, and they're like, "Oh, I had no idea." I'm like, "I know, that's why I'm telling you." Yeah, yeah, I, I can sort of, I can definitely picture that as a, um, you know, just just lack of social skills, basically. Um, oh. 
it's interesting to me that to me just seems for something that this great of an opportunity to meet others make friends you know um it it three days just seems to me like a little bit short you know like for me i'll be like when i first heard of dhag i was like you know how long is it two weeks you know because <laughs> that you know can really build like uh you know gives you a, so even a week would give like a solid amount of time um has that ever been raised as like an issue does is that three weeks too much it has, too a, little? It has occasionally been considered so like like usually the well technically officially the yag ends at 3 p.m on sunday it usually ends up kind of rolling over more towards four or five um people usually kind of trickle back to the church after bowling we eat the leftover ice cream you know clean up a bit that kind of thing um and then some people i know for several years have like they'll purposely schedule to take monday off and then they'll make plans with their other friends from the yag and they'll do things they'll go to parks or different I don't know. I think that one year they went and played laser tag. I mean, they'll do an escape room or something. Yeah. So they will do different things on Monday, but I'm not usually involved because I'm usually exhausted. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, So let's talk about like, you know, the successes have, what have you had any recent successes? And when we, when I say successes, I mean, you know, the, the, the marriages and, uh you know courtships that see that you know um definitely like uh, we're on uh yag wedding number 20 and we're gonna have number 21 this weekend actually <laughs> so tw- so 21 this weekend that's great um mm-hmm. but that's historically right from like the 80s yeah like that's from the beginning from so 2017 to now seven years worth of yags 21 weddings so it's, it's how, about how an many- average it's about an average of three a year, but lately it's been more like four or five a year. The first few years we didn't have as many. Yeah, have you? So where where you're currently at in terms of um, what's your sort of goals moving forward with the egg? Are you are you happy to keep it as is, like moving forward year on year, or you know, is there sort of any ambitions that you have for the egg? Mm, I mean, overall, I think I think we're in a good place. And I mean, definitely the first few years, there were some growing pains, like, um, like, you know, we tried different things. Like we used to do like kind of a field trip on Saturday that we ended up just cutting because it was, it was just too much of a hassle. I mean, it was fun, but, you know, trying to get 50 and then 75 people in cars to go to a different location, collect them all at the end, make sure no one got left behind, bring them all back. I mean, it was time, it was hassle and most people were just like, you know, we just want to hang out and visit and talk anyway. So then we just cut the field trip and we would just stay at St. Gertrude's. That was when it was smaller. And then I think it was, we've been going to higher ground for three years now. So um, at that point, we basically had to do that because we outgrew the social hall at St. Gertrude's, like not in terms of seating, but we basically outgrew the kitchen because it doesn't really have a big kitchen. It's just, you know, for kind of, it's almost like a, like a kitchen. You'd see it like a, a veterans of foreign wars hall or something. You know, it's just a little kind of nook to kind of prepare a couple things, you know, heat something up quickly. It's not really designed to do catering for a hundred people. Right. So uh, I'm not sure if we clarified this, but how many, how many people do you, have you, did you get in the most recent YAG? Uh, we had a hundred four. So the last two years, we've had over 100. Before that, we had uh, 
about 75 to 90 ish. And then the first two years we had 50. So it's basically doubled in size in seven years. Well, and so uh, have you done numbers to sort of have an idea roughly of what you expect in the, the coming years? Well, that's that's something we've actually kind of considered. And I think, honestly, at some point, we will have to put sort of a cap on it because mm. the dorm that we currently use at higher ground holds 136 evenly split. So it just worked out so perfectly to use that and to try to find another location would be really difficult. I think, I mean, I don't think we're quite there yet. Like, we're definitely not busting out the seams yet in terms of ground but i think if it does reach that point we may just have to be like you know sorry we're sold out like we haven't we haven't ever had to do that yet but i kind of think that may be where we have to go in the future because the other thing too is if the group gets too big you go to it and you feel like you didn't get to talk to a lot of the people Mm. like it it just gets to be too many people and the group becomes unmanageably large so i think if we had like 100, 250 people, it would just be overwhelming for, for everybody. Yeah. It would be like going to World Youth Day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so how do you find it in terms of like the finances? Um, like, how, so, you know, I've just heard about the YAG. How much would it cost me to attend? Uh, it costs $150 per person. And that includes everything that's your food, your lodging, drinks. Um, if possible, we'll pick you up from the airport. Um, we'll usually arrange carpooling if you are coming from out of town and don't have a car. Um, so it's pretty much all inclusive. You do need to bring bedding though, because the higher ground place, like the, they have bunk beds with mattresses, but you have to bring your own bedding. So if you're out of town and you can't bring bedding, I do provide bedding included in that price too. Nice. Um, yeah, that sounds, that sounds very reasonable given the amount mm-hmm. of activities and the the fun and and just you know the being around such so many great catholics you know it's especially in today's world where you know can't walk down the street without just uh i mean at least in london i'm being a bit, bit biased here but you know culturally uh society at large isn't in the best place right now so being able to be around so many uh people who are like-minded such a gift and um you know sounds sounds like a real a real great opportunity that uh definitely a lot of people should think about doing it's really hard as well in this day and age to to have that kind of opportunity to meet so many um similarly minded catholics you know um you know i'm sure that's the whole reason you started it right well yeah because i mean Like, even just to kind of put it in perspective, like, I mean, I grew up in a well-established parish up in Michigan. I mean, that parish has been around since before I was born. But by the time I was a young adult, there was really no one in that parish who was my age. I mean, I was basically the only person in that parish in my age bracket from when I was a teenager until I was in my mid-20s. And, I mean, other than my siblings, who were all younger than me. So it was kind of like, you know... All of my friends live elsewhere. I don't really get to see them. I'm here all by myself. There's no one to date. There's no one to marry. And you just kind of feel like you're the only traditional Catholics around. And I've heard that from many other people too, especially in mission situations, where it's like they feel like, or, you know, a small parish somewhere, they feel like we're the only Catholics on earth. 
And then you come to St. Gertrude's in general and the ag in particular, you go, oh my goodness, actually there are lots. This is great. So it's, it's good in a way it kind of encourages them. And I mean, a lot of times people will come to the ag and they'll be like, wait, where do you go to church? Your church is only two hours from mine. Oh, Hey, you know, let's get together on, you know, Sunday a month or something when we go back home or, you know, let's, you know, get together somewhere a little bit closer between us or something. We've had a lot of cases like that. I mean, we have people who come like down from Akron, Ohio, which is three hours away. And I know a lot of the people from Cincinnati will go back and forth to Akron and vice versa, you know, or they'll meet in the middle, you know, just to hang out and have fun and do different things. So it's great, I think, for them. Mission accomplished. You, you've built that connection, you know, this, yeah. this sounds awesome. Yeah. Um, well, and it's so, oh, sorry. <laughs> no, no, you go, you go. Okay. Well, and it's just, it's so important for traditional Catholics, especially to have friends who are like-minded, who (laughs) I grew up on a farm. So I say like you to have a Catholic herd, like, because humans are herd animals. We go with the flow. I mean, they don't compare people to sheep for no reason. (laughs) It's because people are like sheep and they follow along. And so if you're hanging out with a bad herd, you're taking on all bad habits. You're surrounded by bad influences. Whereas if you have a good Catholic herd, then you don't necessarily go looking outside of the sheepfold for friends, for entertainment, and ultimately for someone to marry. Because, I mean, mixed marriages often are a disaster. And even if someone you know has a shallow conversion and they just convert in order to get married, you know, a lot of times they're not sincere. A lot of times it goes south, and then you're stuck practically with having a non-Catholic spouse. And I mean, that's just a mess for you and for your kids. So it's just important from a generational level too. Do you, do you find you get many converts that attend? Yes, we get quite a lot of converts actually. We get a lot of real good converts. <laughs> that's good. Um, yeah, because uh, I'm assuming you, uh, you're a, a cradle Catholic? Yes. Cool. So, have you have you noticed? Is, is there any particular difference in like um, how people approach the ag if they're like cradle Catholic or a convert? Yes, I would say the converts are very enthusiastic about it, <laughs> and sometimes the cradle Catholics take more convincing to go, especially if they're from a larger parish and they feel like, oh, I already have friends. You know, I don't want to seem desperate. I don't want to seem like I don't have any friends. You know not wanting to get married right now so why should i go to the yag like i hear a lot of excuses but mm-hmm. i think a lot of it boils down to kind of either shyness or kind of like a hidden pride to an extent they're like well i i don't need that to find someone i don't need that to make friends and i think it's kind of well, myself. It, it, like that maybe if they're particularly attractive or something and they've got loads of catholics around them like but they, that might mm-hmm. be the case but yeah. you know the the thing is is that i just think in today's age like you really have to put the work in if you've got if you if marriage is your goal you know something like the yag is gonna just why not why not take that yeah you know what have you got to lose other than having like a fun three days and making new friends you know um one thing have you found oh, you're so good Oh, I was just going to say one thing too to re- that I would recommend um, is that if you know someone is hoping to go but they're a little intimidated by it, it's much easier if you can go with some at least one other person that you know. 
So if you go with a sibling or a friend or, you know, get a carload of friends and go together, especially if you're a little bit on the shy side, that makes it a lot easier because then at least, you know, a few people and then you can kind of mingle more and get to know other people. Is there any kind of thing where like the cradle Catholics and the converts, they kind of, do they Mm. congregate? I honestly would say not. Honestly, I think, let me put it this way. I think a lot of converts overthink the way cradle Catholics think of them. Like if you are, and like I'm saying this as a you know third generation set of a contest, raised traditional Catholic, I know a lot of converts. I know a lot of cradle Catholics all over the world. And especially, and this is something that I know in particular converts are often hesitant about because they think, oh, you know, I'm a convert, you know, I'm a guy, you know, I've, I converted maybe a year or two ago. Before that, I was who knows what, you know, is some cradle Catholic girl, especially ever going to be able to trust me enough or take me seriously enough that she's gonna be willing to marry me. And I would say, honestly, if you are being sincere, and if you've been traditional Catholic for a couple of years, you know, your faith, you're trying to practice it, you will not have any trouble getting a traditional Catholic spouse, especially a girl who's a cradle Catholic. Because honestly, for the girls who are cradle Catholics, the pickings often among the traditional Catholic guys are more slim, especially depending on your age bracket. And so, I mean, I know many, many cradle Catholic girls who have married really, really nice convert guys. But the main thing is that the guy needs to convert and be solid in his face before he meets the girl. And then things usually work out fine. Have you noticed, is there, because I'm not, I'm not sure if you keep like a spreadsheet or something, but have you noticed, is there a correlation between like, uh, particularly for the YAG, uh, where, do you know, do is it cradle Catholics that end up matching up more in, when it comes to marriage? Or is it is it usually a mix? I've never actually tracked that. I would have to look at my list of weddings and think about it. But honestly, I would say it's it's probably a pretty decent mix. Um, sometimes it's convert and convert. Sometimes it's convert and cradle Catholic. Sometimes it's cradle Catholic, cradle Catholic. Like, like even in my own family, like. I would say we have that that mix pretty well represented. Mm-hmm. Do, you, do you find it's a majority male converts? Yes, I would say we definitely get more male converts than female, although we do get a few female converts. I think it's a lot harder for girls to convert because they have to change their lifestyle so much. Yeah, they have to dress modestly. They have to give up all the feminism and birth control and all that mm-hmm. and the whole feminist mindset. And so... And also, I think women, they're much more emotional. And so it's harder for them to break away from, you know, their old parish if they had one or, you know, human respect and different things like that. I mean, honestly, one of the hardest things is if you have parents that are Protestant, for example, and they really, you know, it's that idea of like Protestants are like, you can be any kind of Protestant you want, but you cannot be Catholic. You cannot be, you know. We adamantly believed that we were all united on that, um, you know, and that I think that I don't know. I think women have a harder time with, especially if your father is just stuck adamantly against that your conversion to the true faith. 
I, do, I can just I have full sympathy for how dif- how difficult that is. Um, for men, I imagine there's a lot more of a rebellious streak in there anyway, you know? Um, a little bit. I mean, it's it's still hard. I mean, if your parents are very opposed, like, I mean, I've known a couple of, you know, men who converted when they were very young. I mean, they were teenagers when they converted and they definitely did, you know, have to deal with opposition from their families. So, yeah, it's interesting because, yeah, I mean, I think God puts you where you need to be because, I mean, I know I think sometimes I'm like, gee, if I didn't grow up traditional Catholic, you know, would I have had the strength and the determination to actually do the research and pursue it and actually make the switch? I mean, I don't know. I mean, I can speak from personal experience. Um, Having converted, uh, you know, in in like the last two years, Um, it's hard to say because of like the lockdowns, it blurs everything. I had the time, <clears throat> but I converted during lockdown, basically. Um, <clears throat> and uh, the amount of objections and hurdles gymnastically to try and figure out, like, what is the true faith, you know, is so hard to get there and to discern the truth because everything in, in the media um, mm-hmm. just is designed to stop you from getting to that spot. Um, so, like, I, I was lucky enough to have like a friend that helped me bounce ideas off of and we sort of converted together over time. So um yeah, so super interesting just that you know the yag is there, especially I as a convert myself. Uh who knows one day I might turn up to the yag. Um <laughs> yeah, if I vote. We've I had ever, people from Europe before. <laughs> yeah. That's good. Um, you know, uh the um it, it's just it's almost like knowing that something like the, the yag is out there as uh, a possible opportunity to meet other catholics fantastic you know um it it at least it, it becomes something where it's like look the opportunity is there if you don't take it that's on you the only <clears throat> the only real burden is like like for me, for instance, if I was to do it, it's not, it, it'd be a plane ticket all the way to America, which, you know, could be fun. Um, the I, One other question I had as well is um, how involved are the clergy with the YAG? Uh, I mean, they always have the final say in terms of like the schedule and activities and things like that. Um, and then, of course, they say the masses and they plan the sermons. Um and then usually we have one talk, usually Father McKenna gives it on Saturday afternoon. Um, the dormitory has a conference hall in it, so kind of in the middle between the two wings. So we'll pile everybody in there and uh, Father will give a talk. And then usually on Sunday afternoon between mass and when we go bowling, we'll have a talk. Sometimes that'll be a lay person, usually one of the older men from the parish or something, but sometimes the priests give it as well. That's great. So when, um, so let's say I go to the YAG one year and mm-hmm. I didn't find a partner and, but I made friends, you know, is it, is it always continuously open and yes. you know, year mm-hmm. on year? Yep. So do you, and a lot do you find, of, yeah. Oh, sorry. Finish your question. Oh, so, do, do you find a lot of people like tend to have repeated visits? Yes. I would, I would say, in general, we usually have about 50% repeats and 50% new people. Um, but again, it's not always the same repeats every year because 
I mean, a lot of people come almost every year, but you know, sometimes something will come up, you were sick or you couldn't get off work or a friend of yours got married that weekend in a different state or something, you know, so different things happened, but yeah, we, we have a pretty good core of people who have come back multiple times. I mean, some people come once and it's just not for them and they don't come back, but yeah, I would say we get a decent number who come back at least twice and then often more than that. That's great. Um, what time of year does it typically um, occur, the egg? It's in the summertime. So sometimes it's a little bit hot, um, mm -hmm. which is another nice thing about higher ground because they do have that air-conditioned conference room. So sometimes people will be inside, like if it's really hot or if it's raining or something, they'll play board games and stuff indoors and then go outside when the weather clears up. But uh, yeah, so it's usually in July. Uh, the last several years we've been doing it the weekend right after 4th of July because that seems to work well. At first, Bishop Dolan was like, oh, we should pick some big feast day, you know, so the people from the missions can come and experience like the solemnity of Corpus Christi, for example. And then I had to tell him, like, your excellency, if you do that, all the priests from the other missions will hate you because you're going to steal all of their choir members and all of their servers, mm -hmm. and they won't be able to have the solemnity of Corpus Christi at home. So he was kind of like, oh. So we're like, okay, we need to find a Sunday that doesn't have anything these days. No, that's, that, that is interesting how meticulous you have to be about that. I, I didn't even consider that as like a an issue there. That's that's cool. Um, well, and the one, so, sorry, well, and the one cool. year too, we accidentally scheduled it or we were looking at scheduling it the weekend. There's a huge music festival in Cincinnati and you cannot get a hotel for love or money within a hundred miles of Cincinnati. And when I was finding that out, I'm like, okay, we have to change the day. We cannot do this weekend. Yeah. Um, so you, well, I've seen some um, pictures and videos of the egg um, online, and uh, one thing I noticed was the dancing. Mm -hmm. um, you know, and it seemed really quaint and sort of old-fashioned. Uh, so, how, how does that usually go? So, the type of dancing we do is called square dancing, which is definitely an American thing. Like, it's probably originally came from kind of like the English country dances and stuff, but it's much simpler. Um, the English country dancing is much more structured. So um, we do pretty simple square dances. <laughs> some of them obviously get more advanced. And I mean, some places they'll even have like a live collar. But honestly, for this group, I mean, we're dealing with people who are fairly good dancers to people who have never danced before in their lives. So we have to just keep it really simple, really straightforward. And I just have some recordings um, it's the same dance and then it has the calls or the directions recorded right in with music. So you play it every time, it's the same every time, and they can kind of learn it as it repeats. And so a lot of times you'll have someone the first year who's really bad at dancing, and then the next year you'll be like, wow, they really got it this year and they're doing much that's better. Great. <laughs> but yeah. Um, that's cool. So was there like, uh, I guess one other thing we haven't sort of really touched on is uh, just generally speaking, like a dress code, do you, what do you have like a certain uh, way that, you know, certain requirements there? Yes. Yeah, so, I mean, it's pretty much, I mean, what I would consider to be normal Catholic attire. Uh, you know, the women are required to wear skirts or dresses the entire time. Um, they need to follow what most people would call like the Mary-like modesty standards. So the sleeves have to come, you know, at least like quarter length sleeves nice neckline, nothing low cut, nothing sheer, skirts have to cover your knee. Um, and then the guys usually wear 
like like either slacks or jeans, uh, maybe a polo shirt, button front shirt. I mean, some of the guys wear t-shirts and like soccer shorts, you know, when they're playing soccer, but yeah, that's fine. And then suit and tie on Sunday, of course. So I think we've covered so much about what the YAG is, right? Is there anything, um, you know, any fun tidbits that might not be well known about the YAG? Uh, You know, just anything random that, you know, I probably just wouldn't have no to ask. Let me think. Uh... One thing I will say is for those who are reluctant to come is that almost everyone who is brave enough to come back a second year always says the second year is easier. So if you come the first year and you're like, oh my goodness, I don't know everyone, anyone, it was really overwhelming. The second year you come back and you're like, wait a minute, I just suddenly recognize half of these people and it's a lot easier to talk to them. Like I've even had people who are very shy tell me that like, oh, the second year was so much easier. You know, there were more people to talk to. I at least recognized them, even if I didn't necessarily know their name. And the mm. other thing, I try to send out the contact list ahead of time, like a couple of weeks ahead, so that people can start reading the names and familiarizing themselves with the names so that then when you actually hear the names, because we do a roll call too, multiple times throughout the YAG, and I ask people to stand up, usually kind of as a group, so you don't have to stand up by yourself. Um, so that people can kind of start putting the names to the faces over time and then you and people have name tags too so if you really forget i mean you can look at their name tag or be brave and ask them <laughs> mm-hmm. that's great um and yeah just i was also curious do you have any like, particularly fond memories of the egg that sort of you know really just come to mind oh well the, the one year we went to a castle that was fun <laughs> oh yeah nice nice what yeah there's actually it? a castle in ohio it's, it's called the loveland castle in fact, I only live like a mile and a half from it. <laughs> mm-hmm. I didn't at the time, but I do now. Uh, so yeah, we went there for a field trip. That was that was pretty fun. That was that was the last year we did a field trip. Um, that would be, be a good place to take a an old fashioned sword, perhaps. You know, uh, have some yes. fun. Uh, like like <laughs> this one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You probably want a little bit bigger, you know. You know, but who who happens to have a big sword on hand? Uh, you know like that <laughs> oh yeah like that you know oh <laughs> uh, yeah so yeah. next time you go to a castle at least you have the sword as well <laughs> uh, yeah if you can't tell we had a like, little conversation beforehand which she horned that in a little bit um yeah so did you have any um i won't hesitate to say the word disasters but any funny you know Things that didn't go didn't quite go to plan at the egg. Uh oh well we've had plenty of those. Um thankfully they've mostly been behind the scenes. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, this year, for example, we had uh we had such a fiasco with the coolers because the one downside to higher ground is they don't have a refrigerator or freezer in the dormitory where we stay. So for drinks and everything that I bring with us, we always have to haul coolers from St. Gertrude's to higher ground. Well, I had specifically designated coolers to go get the ice cream for Saturday night because we have to pick it up locally because otherwise it would melt. And they got left at the church because it was pouring down rain and I was running around and I forgot. So we had this whole saga of trying to have other people swing by the church, pick them up, the church is locked, we can get coolers. Then we were frantically calling you know, anyone who lived locally, do you have a cooler we can borrow? So it took about 
an hour and a half, but we finally tracked down some coolers. <laughs> and then the guy who went to the to the store to get the ice cream, he's texting me frantically going, they're sold out of gallons of ice cream. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, no. what? <laughs> and this, this is hot weather, right? Yeah, it's very hot weather. So, I mean, he, he managed to find some smaller containers that, you know, didn't cost an arm and a leg. But, oh, it was just one thing after another was like, oh. Yeah. And but, then, and then uh, one of... Oh, oh, I was just going to say. And then one of our caterers canceled our food order a minute before it was supposed to be delivered on Sunday morning, too. That was fun. But Oh, no. <laughs> what, what did you do? Uh, called around all the fast food places I could think of that could sort of do bulk and managed to call something together. Wow. <laughs> like, um, how, how much well, food can you put together on half an hour's notice? They're like, um, uh, sort of like this. Okay, we'll take it. Ching. <laughs> <laughs> it actually wasn't too bad. I was kind of shocked. I, I may just order ahead from those. It ended up being Kentucky Fried Chicken, and it was delicious, and I'm like, if they can put that much together on short notice, if I give them a day or two's notice, they should have no problem at all. <laughs> that sounds great. That's yeah. awesome. Um, yeah. So honestly, like, I think we've got such a pretty good understanding about uh, the Yag. Did I hear you right that you said the castle is called Loveland Castle? Yes. It's one word. It's one word. But yeah. yes, it's Loveland. Yes. I mean, you know, how great would that be? We went to the Yag, and then <laughs> you know, it was such a we had such a romantic time at Loveland Castle. Like. Oh, oh, Loveland is all about that. The post office here, I guess people come from all over Cincinnati to mail letters from Loveland around Valentine's Day because, you know, they have heart stamps and all. it's a big deal around here, yeah. <laughs> oh, wow, that's awesome. Um, yeah, great. So really, uh, to sort of finish this up, like, uh, we kind of touched on it a little bit earlier, but just, you know, what what is your sort of next steps for the YAG? Like, what do you envision for the future? Oh, um, for the future, I mean, honestly, it'll probably stay fairly the same because, I mean, we've we've kind of worked out most of the kinks and, you know, it's it's pretty much we've got it down to a good system that works, that we know works and kind of if it's not broken, don't fix it. I mean, there are always little things we may end up doing differently. I mean, I may end up getting married at some point, you know, and you know, I'll have to I'll have to send out applications. Like you know. Jagermeister, <laughs> you know, looking for another a replacement Jagermeister. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, what's that? oh yeah, I've vaguely heard that before actually when I've looked at the website and stuff. What was that? Jager Jagermeister. Oh Jagermeister, yes. So yeah, so that was something that started as a joke. The first year, some of the guys who I guess like Jagermeister the liqueur mm -hmm. Um, I and I had never had it before. I didn't know it was a thing. So they they like came up with it, and my family is very German. So I was like, oh, the Jagermeister. I mean, it makes sense. So it was kind of a joke. So yeah, they they all call me the Jagermeister, and I even ordered Jagermeister T-shirts this year, but they they only, they got stuck in the mail, and they came after the Jagger. I was disappointed. <laughs> well, did that involve then um, shipping them out individually? Well, no, no, they're just for me. They're, they're not. Oh, okay. yeah. So, so like I'm, you know, so people can. Who, who do I talk to? Oh, the, the lady with the Jagermeister shirt. Nice. <laughs> um, great. So, really, just to finish, finish up. Anyone that um, listens to this, you know, um, 
where you have a newsletter. Uh, anyone that listens to this, we are running a promotion at A True Restoration where you can just listen to really great episodes from clergy, uh, just giving fantastic insight on uh, the Catholic faith just from so many different topics and it's, it's just a fantastic resource and it's really entertaining as well if you're interested in just having some really you know solid pieces of catholic entertainment to to listen to and to and to learn from uh we're running a a, a promotion and so that's it um and there's a bit more information about that and the details uh wherever you're looking at this from so yeah so that just take take advantage of that if you can so thank you so much for your time today uh this has been wonderful talking about the egg i think it's you know you're you you're doing <laughs> gonna be really cringy god's work of uh bringing these people together and um you know whole generations of people will are, are born from the from the these encounters that happen at the egg so really it's, it's you know, and that can only be fantastic for building up the the army of the true faith. You know, so well, good stuff. Do do keep in mind that we count the yag weddings a bit like COVID deaths. Oh yeah, <laughs> you don't necessarily have to meet at the yag. It's just that both of you went, and then you later get married. That's what we call a yag wedding. We trained you yeah. up. We trained you up. You had you got you got the um you know the bad flirtations out of the window at the yag, and then n- now now you. Now you're an expert. Um, that, that actually reminded me, just one last question, actually. Um, mm-hmm. How did you guys handle the lockdowns during that period? Did you continue the YAG? Or was uh, it just like a we had the YAG as normal. We had the YAG as normal. Um, we were a li- I was a little worried that winter because things were much stricter. But then by the time, by the time we did have the YAG, pretty much... Um, they were really they were relaxing most of the mask restrictions and i mean we never really followed them at, i mean we never followed them at st gertrude's anyway and in higher ground is in indiana and indiana had lifted their mask mandate before ohio did so we were like well we'll just go to higher ground and no one will care um the bowling alley did kind of they were a little more freaked out about it they were like oh you know you know, could you wear a mask when you come up to get food or whatever? So some people did, some people didn't, but they really didn't give us a hard time about it. So yeah, pretty much we had that year. We really pushed it as, you know, kind of one normal weekend amid all the craziness. Yeah, that's great. Well, awesome. Well, this has been a great chat. And uh, yeah, hopefully the YAG continues to grow for years to come. Thanks. Yep, thank you for having me. <laughs>